Everything going. Uh, it's so easy. But it is not, right? So, so I thought about why is it that I have this need to make my dad proud? One, what probably society inflicts on you, and one, what you inflict on yourself as well, right? And for me, fearless is equivalent to being authentic. I have this inherent need to learn and the way I learn is by teaching people. So I lost my dad in the beginning of 2020 and it is hugely like for me. Hello and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host Savita Nanjapa, entrepreneur, high-achieving 9-to-5-er turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how-tos and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Hi and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast and on today's episode we have Ranjini Mani joining us to talk about fearless leadership as a woman in tech. Ranjini is the Global Analytics and Data Sciences Leader at Atlassian, ex-director analytics, data sciences and data products at VMware. She's also the LinkedIn top voice in tech for 2023 and Women in AI Leadership awardee, a TEDx leader and keynote speaker while also being a mom to a five-year-old. She's passionate about tech, books and being better and and as she says, she has never let her gender define what she should or shouldn't do. And her goal is to help women overcome the broken rung, scale into tech leadership roles, and to live their potential. With that, let's dive into this conversation. Hi, Ranjini. Welcome to the Success with Savita podcast. I've been wanting to do this for so long, and I'm really excited to finally uh, make this happen. And I have so many questions for you, so looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. Uh, like you said, it's been a while and so glad that you're finally doing this and super excited to be here, Savita. Love all the great work you've been doing. Oh, uh, thank you. And I am a huge fan um, of, especially your voice. I'm like, it's it's so authentic. It's so relatable. I get it, even though I'm not an AI, I'm not a tech person, right? And that's what I love about your work. So starting right there, um, share with our audience a little bit about your journey so far because you've had an exciting journey. I definitely know that for the last 10 years, sure. But tell us from the right start, um, you know, growing up, coming into uh, working in tech, uh, what has been the journey so far? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so when you present yourself online, people tend to see one facet of you, right? So they tend to imagine, oh, this is the way the person is. So when I meet people, you know, I've never known personally through LinkedIn, for example, they would come back and say, oh, it seems like you have everything sorted, you know, everything going, uh, it seems so easy. But it is not, right? So probably that's what I want to start with, right? Like I have and I continue to have challenges. It's all not re uh, rosy per se. So I want to keep this as real as possible, right? So yeah, I, I'm like a true blue Bangalorean, second generation Bangalorean that way. Um, both my parents uh, were working professional, right? So uh, for me, a lot of my uh, qualities comes from my parents that way. They, they've raised me to be, uh, they raised 
us to be equal, right? Me and my brother both. So that was my sense of normal, right? Growing up and uh, maybe I didn't realize what a gift it was at that point in time. But retrospectively, I think back and really uh, love the way my parents brought us up, right? Now that I think back about it. And it wouldn't have been easy, right? Like think about the amount of support I have today as a working mom versus what my own probably would have had. Um, again, the other question I get is, uh, did you always know you wanted to go into AI? Absolutely not. Right? So I think uh, I grew up uh, much like most people wanting to uh, make my parents proud. I, I, for some reasons, I have this inherent need to make my dad proud. He's like my star, right? So it's always been that, uh, why are you doing this? I would question myself, am I actually doing it? Will this make my dad proud? If it is so, I would go ahead and do it, right? So that's been a cornerstone. So when I was thinking about what do I want to do, I was like, okay, I want to become a doctor. Why? Because it'll make my parents proud, right? So that that was my intention. But then again, right, you make your plans and life makes other plans. So my parents were not very keen on setting me out in Bangalore as, okay, they're very, there were these uh, traditional folks who wanted, you know, uh, you need to have, they were scared, essentially, have girls going out, right? So, so, it, so it ended up that uh, I ended up taking up engineering and um, you tend to fancy what you don't have. So there have been times where I think about would I have been a better physician versus what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. You tend to glamorize what if, what if, right? But then in that process, you lose out on living your actual life. So over a period of time, I think I've made peace with that and feel like this is probably the best way it would, could have been. So yeah, I did my engineering and then um, I started uh with uh, a typical uh, role, right? Uh, I started with Oracle and uh, I used to code Oracle application, did that for a couple of years. And I had this uh, thing, right? Where I always ask, why are we doing this? Not like how, right? Like how is how you write the code? But I'd be like, why are they asking me to do this? Why are we building this? So why are we customizing it, right? So I thought, and that was beyond my job description. Yeah. I thought, okay, I went to do, uh, get to a job which would allow me to answer the why that is, uh, probably couldn't be closer to what I want to do, right? And the less the dissonance you have between what you want versus what you have, I think the happier you are. So yeah. to do my uh, MBA at that point in time, and then after that, I started with product management. Uh, uh, I started with the telecom firm, right? And you know yeah. that as I do. So um, that was great. But again, I felt like I was closer to tech. I wanted to be closer to tech than uh, to a non-tech firm. So I moved into Dell. Um, so that's where it was a combination of product and analytics, right? So um, I spent a couple of years there working in product analytics, pricing analytics, and then from there moved into VMware and then into uh, Atlassian, right? So it's been quite a journey. I've been, I started with product. I still love uh, the space. Uh, moved into analytics. So it's been, if you were to put like a trifecta, I would probably sit between product strategy and analytics, right? So. That's been my career journey. I continue to learn and unlearn. And if you were to think back like three years down the line, is that what I wanted now? It's changes, right? I'm sure three years down the line, I probably have a different aspiration. So it's been a continuous learning journey that way. And I'm just blessed with like all the mentors and uh, network and friends that I have garnered over the period of time. So yeah, that's that's a very long-winded journey of where I am today. Yep. That, that's a very interesting journey, uh, a lot similar that I, I, I find relatable, of course. Uh, did you find the answer to, you know, is it still your North Star is making your dad proud? Is that something that uh, is still 
um, an important value for you? Yeah, it, it is. And I, I've thought about it often, right? See, I feel, uh, Savita, that if you don't have a strong why, then everything becomes difficult, right? Like uh, many a times, so, so I've thought about why is it that I have this need to make my dad proud? How did it even come about, right? So I remember this incident, I think it was in like 11, when I started my 11th standard, right? You see, for sure. So this was in the same college that my dad used to work. He used to work, he used to head the non-teaching staff. And then, um, you know, first year I got in, I, I, it was a completely new culture, right? So I was very fascinated uh, mm. having been within school uh, all this while. And uh, uh, the first term I remember, I think it was the physics exam or something like that. And the teacher was calling out the students to, uh, you know, the podium to give the marks. And then she called out my name and I went there. And I remember her telling, you know, something around like, 37 or something like that. And that was the like, lowest I've gotten. I've never ever gotten close to that marks before, right? And um, I think I felt so ashamed that day. And my dad, to his due credit, he never asked me about it, right? And I realized that uh, more than anything else, I had this need that I want to make my dad proud and this is not what I want to show up as. And in a very shaded manner, I got, I scored like 100 in the next term in physics, right? So I think... Uh, that's where it steps from, this need that I need to be the person that my dad would be proud of. And it's also probably because he showed himself up like that, right? Like for all the time, I think he stood for integrity and he stood for values and he stood for, you know, making uh, something valuable out of himself and contribute to the society versus, you know, having uh, very monetary ambitions per se. So and I think we've kind of picked it up from my And that continues to stay. I don't have that anymore, but I feel like that's something which I will hold as my North Star until I'm a knight, right? So yeah, I have a very strong why as a motive. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the, what you said, uh, this is such a beautiful story. What you said about how he showed up, right? And it's not just about you wanting that validation, you, you know, but it's about how he showed up and he he held up. He was the model for you. And, and you know, in coaching, of course, we always say you're what your model, you're what your environment is. And I think, uh, what is what's played out today is something so beautiful. But moving on from there, um, the question that everybody asked you, did you always know you want to be here? I think no one knows, right, where you're going to end up eventually. I, I want to know that you're here and you're looking at, and, and I want to bring the topic to women. You're looking at other women around you, also in AI and tech. And I'm sure their challenges are very different. You may have faced similar. What what have you observed are some of the challenges that you've seen in other women and you saw for yourself growing into getting in as one thing um, and then becoming this team player as another and, you know, finding your place. But growing to a leadership role, what have you seen as a challenge and is that similar for other women as well? Yeah, I think uh, that's such a good question, right? And it's a complex one, I've thought. I don't think one single answer to it. But I'm trying to attempt like from what I have seen myself as well as from others I'd mentor, right? I remember meeting this woman who had like 18 years of experience, right? She's been in this road for such a long time. She knew the in and out of it. And I remember her coming and telling me, you know, I've been doing this for almost four, five years. I want to try, you know, being a bit more of a tech lead for the space, right? Not not necessarily only IC role. And I asked her, okay, yeah, that sounds like a good thing. Do you understand the space well? She's like, yeah, yeah, I am like the best in the space, right? I know this really well. And then I was like, okay, do you have challenges working with the people? Is that the area which uh, you're worried about? And she's like, no, no, I'm good. 
So then I'm like, what, what, where do you see the challenge, right? And she's like, go in case I ask and if they say no, right? Like, that was the biggest concern that, you know, I, I asked, but I'm not sure whether they'll be okay with it. So I feel like one of the biggest areas of challenges, not necessarily in terms of only skills or, um, you know, in terms of uh, the capability, it's more about like the inhibitions we put for ourselves and everyone does that, right? I think that that's a big, big thing which holds uh, us back and that happens across levels. I, I do that as well. Maybe to in to a different extent in different scenarios, but that constantly happens, right? The big, big talent. Uh, again, is there ways to overcome it? Multiple ways in which, right? Again, you don't completely overcome it. That continues it. But I feel it's a combination of uh, multiple things, right? One, having people who you see, like figures you have seen who have crossed that path, who you can say, oh, okay, she's there. She's doing that. Maybe I can as well, right? So that's two. Um, having the confidence, it's the confidence that really comes from a space of being comfortable with yourself. If you know that you're good at it, if you know that that's something you've done, you get to be confident, right? And three, I think uh, this realization you get to after a point in time that people think less about you than you actually tend to think, right? They think that, oh, what in case they judge me? I, I, I don't think people think about others as much as we think they do, right? And that happens by being uncomfortable. Like, I can tell you all of this, right? Maybe it makes sense rationally, but practicing it is a different thing altogether. But I think if you start practicing and put yourself in uncomfortable situations over a period of time, you can better it, right? Like most things. I think, so therefore, yeah, what would I summarize is to kind of put yourself out there and be uncomfortable. And I know it's hard. I know it's scary. But over a period of time, looking back, that's going to seem much smaller a problem than it was at that point in time. So yeah, what I... Great response. But I want to add on to this. Do you feel, and I've this is something I've observed, that women held up to a higher standard? Uh, because I'm telling you a small example. I write down, I'm driving, and let's say I'm going up a one-way, and I see many bikes coming down, right? People are all coming through the one-way, breaking the uh, traffic violations. And when there's a woman coming down, I see a lot more people, you know, give her the tough look, like, how dare you break the rules? So is that that's true on the streets? And that's still true in a lot of workplaces. Have you observed that also to be true, even though there's a lot of work being done in the space of diversity and in an organization? Yeah, I, I'll put it in two ways, right? One, what you're calling out is a good insight. Like, is it harder or do women have higher standards or, you know, have a need to prove that harder than um, otherwise? And I feel that's two parts, right? One, what probably society inflicts on you and one, what you inflict on yourself as well, right? So I'll talk about both. I think one, yes, uh, to uh, some extent, yes, I would agree. I think that's again, like you call that changing, right? Personally, uh, maybe I talk from a very position of privilege because I've had, like I said, parents who have treated me very, very equally to what my brother has been treated, right? I've had my in-laws who respect the ambition I have. And so I've been surrounded by people, environment, organizations, leaders who have valued me for who I am. I don't think I've ever had situations in my work life where, you know, I was not, my point of view was not really considered because of my, where I come from or my gender, right? I, I never felt it that way. Having said that, I know that that's not true for everyone, right? I've had friends who have had issues. Like going back after maternity leave, I've had my friend who did not have her role, but she had earlier, right? So 
I know that isn't the case for all. That's one. So absolutely, I think that's true. Yeah. Um, but the other part is also true that it's sometimes I and specifically, right? It's self-inflicted also. Like I feel that myself. Like I would prepare maybe five x the amount that my husband prepares for the same thing. I've seen that over and over and over again. Like if there's a review, I would think about what are the different things I should talk about. You know, I, I would prepare so hard that versus my pure, right? I've seen that, and that comes to how we apply to jobs. Like we wouldn't apply our thing yet. We are hundred percent ready. Yeah, hundred percent ready versus the otherwise. And this research to prove that, right? So I think it manifests itself in multiple ways. It's a product of how we have raised and how our society has looked at uh, us over time. Yeah, and but that's changing, which is very yeah. happening. That. And and these are things we know. I know we are talking about it, but these are things we know. And hopefully, over a period of time, we stop being so hard on ourselves. And you know, women will just be like, "Hey, I mean, we are all equal." Having asked you that, I want to ask you: Do you? I I think you're a you're you're a very fearless leader. Um, like you said, what you see on LinkedIn and all of that is that how you see your own leadership. Um, and what does being fearless mean in the context of leadership? Yeah, so I'll probably put that in two parts, right? Like fearless and leadership, then kind of bring it in. Uh, I think if you think about what is pure, pure is trying to be something which you're not, right? Because you want to portray yourself in a particular way. And for me, fearless is equivalent to being authentic. Like fearless doesn't mean that you take unnecessary risks, right? Fearless doesn't mean you do a planning. Fearless means that you want to come across the way you truly are, being your authentic self. And I know that's a very uh, overused jargon, but for me, that's been very true, Savita. Right? So, it's at some point in time, I know that I have tried to be something I'm not, just to make others feel better, right? Like, well, I've tried to say, oh, uh, you know what? I should probably hold myself back because I may come across very ambitious. Uh, I may come across as very aggressive, so probably I need to tone down the way I speak, tone down the way I uh, come across, right? But I've realized that by doing so, you appear, you be unhappy, right? You're I, like, again, I mentioned in the beginning, there's a dissonance between what you are and what you want to be. And that brings out a person who you're not. And therefore, when you lead teams, again, right, being vulnerable is very important. Being authentic is very important. The time back to the leadership aspect. So I remember, again, when I became a first-time leader, right, I had this notion, this is how a leader should be. This is how they should behave. And uh, I've made my own share of mistakes in terms of how I hire, how I uh, look at performance. But over, like, I've, I've been a people leader for like 10 or 12 years now, and I realized over a period of time that I think leadership style has evolved to being a bit more authentic, being more vulnerable to say that, yeah, I do know this, right? Like, how would you do this? Tell me more about it, right? And being more interested in getting people to win, thereby that's how you win, not by telling them to do ABC. So I would kind of tie them together. For me, fearless leadership is being as authentic as you can, being as vulnerable as you can, and allowing others to live their potential, right? And the more you do that, I feel like you tend to grow better as a person. Is So that's, again, it's easier said than done, but uh, that's that's where I've made my peace with, right? Yeah, that's, that's my... But really, when put, and as articulate as ever, I want to ask you this, and in our conversation, you mentioned it, right? Ambition. Yeah, it's such a loaded word. It's such a fantastic word when it comes to men. Such a loaded word when it comes to women. But I like that, you know, 
today women are far more open about i am ambitious this is what i want and asking for it um and i know that for you as well that um, you don't hold back right you don't hold i mean you may have in the past but you will learn from that first um so would you say that you know uh, people around you and you yourself ambition drives you um or it's just the why like let's talk about the word ambition and what it means to you that's a brilliant brilliant question because for me personally sabta that's changed so much over time right so for me like getting out of uh, college and into the workforce i come from a very middle class family right my parents both very comfortably but again middle class parents working in garment jobs um and uh, for me at that point in time when i started it was about how do i be more financially independent how do i get money for my parents and it's not a bad word right that way so that's where i started and then it kind of changed from there to growth to like titans right like oh i should get promoted get to the next level i should do more right like that more became part of what ambition meant at that point in time and over a period of time i and that's why there's a negative connotation because people tend to think of ambition in terms of more money and more titles and more charter but i feel it's evolved now when i say i'm ambitious i'm ambitious to live the best life i can right which means that i'm content i'm not chasing titles and not chasing money per se yes money is good i, I i'm not going to say that oh money is not important it is important right but what i value more is the freedom and ability to sit up in the morning and say oh i love the day ahead i can do what i want with my time that freedom is very important for me right now and am i living my best potential am i allowing and enabling others to live their best potential that is what uh, you know ambition means to me today right and that's why i say that that's very different and i'm sure uh, you know health has become more of a priority now right taking care of my family is also a priority so i think that changes over time i'm sure it will be the few years but yeah that's why i think it's different over yeah it changes but having spent 17 plus years in the corporate world i have to tell you that for a long time it was about the next promotion that next you know uh, my bigger role am i having larger teams am i also handling five six other you know, it's yeah. i don't know at what point the 10 ends but i will tell you for sure in my 17 years uh, the awareness came much later and i think what's great is for you the awareness is already come right and that's that's awesome so kudos to you on that now more part i want to talk about you your authentic voice your content because your personality your persona online is a uh, you know it's very i would say you have a powerful presence so you're very visible and you share content online when did you realize that this was your thing because i know you're a storyteller you have all these stories and at what point did you realize that this you not like doing showing up putting out content on linkedin um was it organic it happened suddenly like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show yeah so when people you know write these posts around 10 ways to grow or linkedin you know grow your social media presence i i for me it strikes it it's very striking because i've never really planned it out that way i don't think i still do right i've never really thought how do i grow it from x to y uh why right again coming back to why uh, it's a bunch of things but starting with for me i have this inherent need to learn and the way i learn is by teaching people like that's how it is being right 
they call it the payment technique. I don't know whether you've heard of this, but basically the best way to learn a concept is to kind of teach someone. And I remember when I was in engineering, uh, we used to do these revisions. And I was like, this nerd who do like two revisions before the exam. And I to get so upset for this revision time because my house used to be crowded. It used to be like this mini college. There used to be like three, four people. But I used to revise and kind of explain it to people, right? So, and generally be drawn to explaining things. And that's how I learned. So, right, that's one way. Right now, because I can't do that anymore, right now I write. So, that's my way of learning, right? So, when I started writing, my only aim was, how can I use this to learn myself better? And I feel like writing is very therapeutic, right? It helps you clarify your ideas. It helps you learn. It helps you put yourself out there. So, that's the reason I started writing. And um, I also had this thing about keeping it consistent, right? Like, do it every single day. And I've seen that improve, right? Like I've seen my writing improve, clarify over a period of time. And then I think at some point in time, it got about, it became about um, adding value back, right? Because I got to, it's not for the likes. I and mean, again, I don't do it for the likes alone. I know likes are good. I'm going to be lying if I say it just doesn't help. But it's not only the likes, right? I, I also get these lovely direct messages from people, right? You know, uh, I don't like it often, but I read what you write, Ranjani. And this is very helpful especially like from young girls. And it's so hard to think, right? Like to feel that you're actually making a difference. And all of us have that need to make a difference, right? That in your own tiny ways. And I think that's what keeps me motivated, right? Like the aspect about learning and the aspect about like someone is benefiting from it. So that's my only reason for continuing to do this, right? And yes, the likes do help, the followers do help, but that's more of a side effect. I so, and uh, connecting the dots, I feel like God, Dad was a professor, and then you like to learn by teaching. Um, and today you're writing. When did you start really? I, I, I want to hear you say, of course, is the thing that we say for anything that if you want to succeed in life, consistency. When start being like showing up every day and just being consistent with what you wanted to say? say and uh, was this like 2018? Is that what? On, I think it was after that. It was pretty So, um, Again, you asked me about self-awareness, right? I feel like it happens, it accelerates when you go through like life-changing things, right? So I lost my dad in the beginning of 2020. And it is hugely life-changing for me, right? For me, right now, it feels like that's the worst thing anyone can go through. That's the worst thing I can go through. So anything else, uh, it doesn't, in comparison, it's like, oh, I can do this, right? So that that's, puts it into perspective. So I remember like the last thing I told my dad, I said, oh, I'll make you proud, right? Again, the same thing. Uh, so I feel like I started it more as a distraction. I wanted to make sure that I keep myself so busy that, you know, I don't tend to think about uh, him. But after a point in time, I realized that it was very therapeutic for me also. So I should continue to do that. Because that's how I ended up uh, starting to write, right? And doing it every day. Um, again, I, I know people tell me, oh, it's hard to do this. How do you even find time? I'm just going to ask you that. <laughs> so. We we are in love. Start with that, right? Again, time for moms is yes difficult to test, right? Um, so there are two parts to it, Savita. One, picking up something which may seem like work to others, but not to you. I think that's the key, right? Because for me, reading, writing, reading about tech, writing about tech books, it doesn't seem like work. That's something I really enjoy, right? That's the place where I get into flow. So I don't need external motivation. I would do it nonetheless because I enjoy it. Maybe if someone else, that's not true, right? Maybe tech is not true. They would probably write about something else, right? So I think I 
identifying that area is crucial for everyone. What is it that seems like work for others, but not for you? So that's one. And the second thing is to set the processes in place which allow you to do that. Like I may have all the motivation, but then what if I don't have a process? So I I, I figured out like multiple ways to do this, right? Like yeah, I used to do- That's your best one. <laughs> That's your best way. Oh, I'm like this person who I'm like constantly trying to find time in my day. I used to have, you know, post-it notes, to-do lists, and I've tried multiple, but finally I think the one which works to some extent, again, I'm saying some extent because I'm still a mom and there are unpredictable things with that. But uh, one does, that does work pretty well for me is time boxing. Yes. Not a, my thing, it's something I've learned from multiple books out there and books out there. So anything which I need to do goes onto my calendar. Anything which takes more than 10 minutes to do goes onto my calendar, including when I read, when I write, right? So I have a thought in the morning where I will do that irrespective of what happens. And again, one is to put it in and other is to make sure that you are indistractable during that time. So I have my non-negotiable slots with my family saying, this time I will not do anything else. You can come knocking, but I'm not going to do that, right? I know it's... Uh, Sometimes you still have a kid who will run in, but most of the time it works out, right? So I would say a combination of those two, identifying your motivation and making sure you have processes at least to make that happen. Yeah. I think one is process and motivation, but I think the third thing which comes so naturally to you, but for someone listening for who it doesn't come naturally, but you want to build a profile, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, anywhere else, is you have to figure out what you like to do. Someone may like writing, so find your medium. Someone may like videos, so you know you maybe you'll do YouTube and you'll do Instagram. Um, I mean, not that you don't use video and LinkedIn. Someone may like audio, like me. My medium is audio. I realize it's not that I don't like the others, but this comes very easily. It's like, like you said. Uh, it's, so I think that's something people listening in. This is a great tip uh, from Ranjini. But you know, also learn, understand about yourself what works best for you, and for you, Ranjini. I want to ask you this, being visible and, you know, showing up the way you have while it started as something that you took to when it was a challenging and difficult time for you in your life and then pandemic hit. Uh, that's what I remember reading your uh, thing and I remember your hashtag, right? You used to use this uh, hashtag. Uh, and, um, I, I, and I remember telling other people that, you know, find something which is unique to you and I've you know, sent so many people to read your posts saying you want to learn, but has there been a payoff being visible? Has there been a payoff? Oh, in the organization, are people coming to, like, why are you so vocal? You don't need to do this. Has there been the pros and cons? What is it? Yeah. Um, now, first of all, uh, great insight in the previous one, right? Absolutely spot on. Identify where you're comfortable with. I just want to close the loop on that one. Like, yeah. I've thought about Instagram. I am not comfortable. Like, that's not me, right? So, it's just, you can put me there, but I'll not, uh, do the same thing. Something you'll do every day. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think that's a great insight. Yeah. So this point around has there been a payoff? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And both, I, I would put it both intrinsically and extrinsically. Intrinsically, like I started off, right? I think it's improved my learning. It's improved the way I write, the way I communicate. Definitely. All of that is great. Extrinsically, again, multiple ways. People tend to think only monetary, but I feel it's just very very superficial way of think, thinking about things, right? See, for me, the biggest thing is the connections and network and relationships, right? The number of people I've met uh, to just being there, it's great, like from students to other professionals to people I wouldn't have met otherwise, you know, across different areas. 
And uh, I remember one of my readers telling me, you're so over-indexed on books, Rajini. You're always talking books, books, books. You need to talk to people, right? And that's probably when I made the switch to meet more people. So yes, people and relationships is great. Other opportunities, yes. In terms of, you know, speaking engagements, conferences, all of these other things which kind of come in. Again, I, I feel like that's a great thing as well. And finally, just getting to, um, you know, uh, partner with other folks, right, on exciting things. Like, I, I know I've been talking to you about uh, starting a own podcast and planning to do that. And been talking to a couple of other folks about writing a book and I'll probably do that. So, and all of these things are very exciting that way because it's closer to what I want to be doing. So, I think the payoff is great because it allows me to do everything which I would love to do, which I may, may not necessarily get to do within the bounds of the day job, right? So that's that's great, right? Uh, the other part is, are they like people, like, course? Yeah. yeah. Again, I think, uh, honestly, I've been within organizations who do not have that very narrow-minded way because this is something I do over and above my day job, right? This doesn't impact my day job at all. It's outside of what I do, outside of those hours, right? And I... I don't think I've been in organizations which is limiting in that way to say, oh, why are you doing this? In fact, I feel like most of them have reached out to see how complementary it is to the way uh, the organization works as well, right? In fact, I've met a lot of folks within the organization who will come and say, I don't, I'm not in your team, I don't work with you, but I know I, I follow you on LinkedIn, right? So I've had such great, wonderful conversations. So honestly, I, uh, I don't think I have had any huge challenges that way, right? So yeah, thankful for that. But uh, I mean, that's that's great that you're sharing this. I get this a lot, especially when you're coaching, right? And we say, hey, my first question for you, and this is more like, you know, you can share like, yes or no, maybe. Um, do you think it's important for women to be visible for their own career growth, self-development, personal development? Yes, no, what do you think? Or if they're not, even if they're not comfortable. I would say first, Splitting into two, right? Again, yes, it is important. Even if they're not comfortable, I, I I, don't know. I wouldn't force a person to do something which they're not genuinely comfortable with, right? Maybe instead of this, there's a different outlet. Like they may not want to have an online presence. Maybe there's a different outlet for them to express themselves, right? So yeah, those two points. Um, but absolutely, I, I agree with you that there's just so much of value in having a personal brand, right? I know it's a key of fluffy thing. Why do you want a brand? Like it's a very, yeah. but think about it this way as a hiring manager, right? When I look at, uh, you know, someone when I'm hiring, if I look at a resume, it's a static page, right? Like it's a list of keywords. Then so you're just one amongst 10 other people. But if you have a portfolio of things which you've done, if you have some other tangible evidence about who you are, it's obvious you get more visibility. It's like increasing your luck surplus area, right? Someone used to use that word. Uh, you're basically increasing your love, right? And that doesn't mean that you show up in the Just sharing what you know and what you learn and yeah. putting yourself out there is always going to be hugely helpful. And like you said, especially for women, yeah. right? In their own ways, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really great advice. And I'm going to use what uh, you shared as well. And even if it's like you said, it could not be LinkedIn, but it could be something that you show up in the organization. That's important. Maybe you get a lot of judgment as well. That doesn't happen. Uh, you get trolled. Not trolled, but you may get negative reactions. How do you deal with judgment? Uh, yeah, I think someone uh, used to tell me this. Right? I, I keep referencing people because I've talked to uh, so many of these. Uh, he, he used to tell me that if you want to make 
everyone happy all the time, you should probably start like an ice cream parlor or something like that, right? So yeah, yeah, that's something I'm made peace with. So yes, do I uh, have judgment? Yes, I think there are people who would, when people pass judgment, right, they pass it with a limited view of what you are or what you do, right? So they would say, find so much of time do you even work like i've had people who oh thank you and sometimes it used to ride me up because i used to make time to wake up like 5 5 30 in the morning to get this done right probably schedule my posts on saturday or write it all on like a weekend i'm taking my personal time away to do what i'm passionate about right and the person who's passing judgment has no view about what i do or what i do outside of that but it's very easy to say that right so it used to really drive me up but I think over a period of time, you realize that there are always going to be some people and making everyone happy all the time isn't really your job, right? So, yeah, after that point, then you tend to, uh, you know, put that outside. So, yeah, I think uh, that's how I look at it, honestly, right? Fair judgment, yes. But uh, if you're comfortable being who you are, uh, you tend to overlook that, right? Yeah. So, a great, great uh, advice for people who receive negative feedback, which is very frightening for a lot of people. What is one thing, Ranjini, you wished you knew when you started your career? Is there something that now you look back and say, I wish I knew this? Damn. There's so much that it So many. Okay. Thanks, but uh, I, I'll leave you with this one. This is a good one my mentors told me, right? Uh, he used to say the rule of 10, 10, 10. So what does that mean? Um, so think about if, if say you're in a situation where you're feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling bad about something you did or you didn't do. Think about how you feel about it like in 10 minutes, uh, 10 months and 10 years from now, right? And if it's not something which will embarrass you in like 10 years, don't kill yourself about it now, right? And I thought very good advice because it puts life into perspective, right? Like in the longer scope of things, maybe it's okay. Everyone does mistakes. Everyone has a bad day. It's about how you look at it at the long term, right? So, um, yeah, I, I've been, uh, one of my coach, my tech coach also tells me the same thing, right? Like if you have 10 things in your day and there are two red spots, we tend to focus on the red and not necessarily. It's all about like perspective and uh, the same things which might have, you might have struggled with five years down the line will seem very trivial, right? So adding that perspective, zoom out the add perspective always helps. And before I let you go, as we come to the end of this interview, final piece of advice for women in product and AI, because, you know, we are talking to the women, the other people who would be listening to you as well. What's your advice to them? Something that you want to leave them with that you've experienced, learned, um, and, you know, if it applies to them. Yeah. Uh, yes, I will address women in product AI, uh, but I feel like they have similar challenges to the rest, right? And also, if I were to say, I, I remember reading this World Economic Forum report, which spoke about, you know, um, if you look at all the jobs, um, that the gender gaps are more likely to exist in areas which require disruptive skills, right? Like, uh, which is the jobs of tomorrow, cloud computing, engineering, AI. So that's where the gap is larger than where it is, right? So it's basically the problem is, I would say, amplified in these areas. It's harder uh, that way. Um, so it, sometimes it may feel like you're like the only woman in the room. I've been that multiple times and it's hard, right? I know it's changing, but it's hard. So again, I'm going to leave them with something my mentor once told me. He used to have this framework around five C's and uh, it's relevant to everyone, uh, not just for product and uh, tech that way, right? Um, one, connect, right? Uh, it's very critical, like you said, to put yourself out there, to showcase your capabilities and connect with others. 
And many a time, the challenges which you face, someone else has always gone through, right? So uh, nurture your network, not just when you need to, right? That's the problem I think most people do. Uh, constantly learn, can't, especially in engineering, product, tech, right? That's You understand, I understand how much it's changed. So that is absolutely required in this remote first knowledge economy we are in. Courage, right? Uh, again, to be able to put your hand up and say, yes, I will do this. Um, call for help. As a woman, as a mom, I can't stress on this enough, right? I, I'm going to be nowhere where I am if not for the support which I've had from my system, my mom-in-law, my husband, everywhere else, right? So ask for help and support and reach out and get mentors, right? And finally, the confidence to dream big and believe in yourself. I know it sounds very cliche, but I think uh, uh, like I started off, right? It's not necessary to use this gap, but lack of confidence to walk that path. So uh, dream big, be open to fail and move ahead. Yeah, so that that's my five C's for any of that. I love it. That's so beautifully put and a perfect ending to the interview. And I don't cliche it. It's just, it just takes a long time for it to, you know, click and say, this is what people mean when they say believe in yourself. But I think it's it's a journey and you just experience it. And I think that's been great advice. And for people, if they want to reach out to you, they can find you on LinkedIn, of course. Uh, Rajini, you've been so uh, generous with your time. So thank you so much for today. And thank you for joining me and being here and share your story, which... Um, you know, I did realize it was such an emotional uh, journey for you. So thank you for that. Thanks, Avita. It was brilliant being here. And uh, thanks for all the folks who are going to listen in as well, right? Hope you get something out of this. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode and you want more, you can go to the show notes on my website, which is successwithsavita.com forward slash podcast. If you like what you've heard so far, I would be grateful to you if you could leave me a five-star review, subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who may find this useful. You can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success.